Hey, hey. It's that time again. Okay. So, fun topic today. We're going to have some fun. I know that some people are really going to go, really? Real estate? Fun? <laughs> Your idea of fun is a bit warped. Yes, it is. Um, but You have no idea. <laughs> but the topic today is, why do house prices keep on going up? Yep, and we'll we'll have a chat about that, and then we're going to get into a a personal passion of mine. Um, you know, definitely going against stereotypes here, but we're going to talk about shopping sprees and how to make the most of shopping sprees while abroad. I've got some hints and tips. I've hacked shopping in in the US in in America, but before we jump into that, quick word from our sponsors. Ready to sell your home. Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. All right. So the topic, house prices going up and up and up. And the one question is, why? It's the government's fault. It's aliens. <laughs> They're no, taking look, it, over our suburbs. I Look, I, I lay the blame squarely at the feet of, of our, our federal and state governments. Um, and look... There's, there's a lot that can be said on house prices in the housing market. If, if you look at the Australian housing market over the last 100 years, it's consistently increased in price. And, and it's not a straight line. Don't get me wrong. If you look at the graph, it's not a perfectly straight line that's heading towards the heavens. It goes up, it drops back a little bit, goes up. But the drop backs never drop back to where the, the increase the, started The media from. says that it's like 40% drop off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The media, like, that's a reliable source of information, right? And then they've got, like, a 50% increase? Uh, So, all right, let's talk about that. (laughs) We saw the headlines going, Economist predicts 40% drop. As of recording this episode, we're now seeing headlines that are saying house prices are on the rebound, and compared to this time last year, they've only dropped, drumroll please, da-da-da-da-da-da, 8%. Now, that is a bigger drop than normal, in all fairness. When we have a boom like what we just had, they will drop back up to roughly about 5%. If it's a bad drop back, it could be up to 10%. So an 8% drop back as an average across capital cities, it's significant to take note of, but it's definitely not the 40% 
that they were predicting and the headlines were claiming to fear monger and everything like that. And now, before we started doing this podcast, six months before, and I want this on record from you, not not because you don't acknowledge, you know, when I'm when I'm right or anything like that, you do, and I really appreciate it. But just so that the people listening can know, what did I say it would drop back by when when the market turned when it first turned? What did I say to you it would drop back by? From memory, I think you said at most. At most, I can't stress that enough, it would have been 10%, but that was in very specific areas Um, and depending on how it had actually travelled during the pandemic. And so there was – it wasn't just, oh, that's a blanket across the whole nation, it's going to be 10%. It was very specific to particular areas. It was, you know, population, supply and demand. All of those types of things need to be taken into consideration before that 10% could even be viable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and one of the things is my gut feeling was that it was going to probably average out at about 8%. Because uh, you know interest rates would increase, things would slow down. It'd drop about eight percent. But the problem would be that we still don't have enough supply to meet demand. There's still enough people that can get money to buy houses. We have a rental crisis. We have a housing crisis. We don't have enough houses in the areas that people want to live to house the people we have in this country. And the moment that immigration came back, which it obviously has post COVID, that would increase the pressures. And not only that, despite the mortgage stress that has been predicted and 800,000 Australians coming off fixed rate mortgage and all that sort of jazz, we talked about, and we talked about it on this podcast, but we talked about long before when you were saying to me, we need to do this podcast, we need to get this information out there, was that people are smarter than ever. The general public, homeowners are smarter than ever when it comes to real estate. And they know that wherever possible, it's better to hold the property and eat rice and suffer through it in order to hold the property than to sell it and try and rebuy in that market or go into the rental market. Yeah, well, just we've spoken about this. With the amount of uh, interest rates that have actually occurred, someone that had gone and bought a place during the pandemic, if they, you know, because of those interest rate rises, are now going, hold on, like, I can't anymore for whatever reason, but just I can't. So they're wanting to sell. Let's say they bought a big house. Kids have, you know, because kids came back during the pandemic because they were overseas. They had mm-hmm. to come mm-hmm. back, so they came back. So then they're going, hold Over on, 500, we've got... 500,000 Australians, expats moved back home during the pandemic. Yeah, mum and dad had a three-bedroom house. Children have returned. Uh, so uh, we need to buy a bigger house. And now that the borders have opened up, they're wanting to downsize again because the kids have gone off again, so there's no need to have it. So they're going, okay, well, we're we're needing to downsize, but since buying this bigger house, the prices have shot. We're not wanting to live in in a city. We want to go and live on the Sunshine Coast. Yep. So... They're going, okay, well, the that, that'll, be, the fire. Yeah, that'll be easy. We'll, we'll leave Melbourne and we'll go to the Sunshine Coast. But when you go to the Sunshine Coast, because there's been so many people that have bought up, up the Sunshine Coast or even on the Gold Coast, wait, wait, pretty wait, much southeast Queensland. Are you, are you telling Queensland. me there's a supply issue? 
There's not enough houses. I may be hinting at that. It's almost like we don't have enough houses in places that people want to live in this Well, it's country. not just houses. It's apartments. Well, it's dwellings. Yeah, it's dwellings. dwellings. Dwellings is the word we should probably use. But it sounds to me like there's a supply and demand problem. There, I, I think there could be. There could be. So in answer to the question, like we can really wrap this up in, in, in nine minutes. Um, and, and, you know, eight of those minutes have been rambling on and us talking shit and, and bantering back and forth. An ad. Oh, don't, we had an ad. Like, shout an out to intro. Check My House pr- Price, who who look after us immensely and pay for everything that we do so that we can we can do this fun stuff. And then, of course, we had that really cool intro, which is, you know, 90s grunge rock because we grew up in the 90s listening to that sort of stuff. Let's just get back to the topic. Um, you know, so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to drag this out because we can solve this problem. We're now over the nine-minute oh, mark. It's supply and it's demand. It's supply and demand. And what's driving up prices? You know, why do house prices keep going up? It's supply and demand. And, yes, there will be interim periods where they drop back a little bit, but then they're going to climb again. And the latest reports are that through the first quarter of 2023, we have seen numbers start to improve month on month and compared to this time last year and all that kind of stuff. They're still down but month to month, so February to March, March to April, they're starting to improve. Why are they starting to improve? Because things have calmed down. Interest rate rises at this point. There's been a pause. People have taken a, a breath. And now people are going, all right, let's buy a house now. We feel like we have more confidence. Those people didn't disappear out of the market. Like, don't get me wrong. A lot did disappear out of the market as interest rates increased because their borrowing capacity dropped. There's still a lot of people left, and there's still more people left than that were what there are properties for sale and what there are properties available for people to purchase, mm. right? And we still aren't building. So I saw a stat, and I still don't under. I'll be honest, I still don't understand the stat. But during the government's Home Start initiative, where they were they were funding the building of new properties, like they were giving cash away. Um, I think it was like twenty five thousand dollars. Not just to first home buyers, but I think there was like, and, and I'll be there honest, there was a loop there. Somewhere. there. There was a loop there where it wasn't just first home buyers who could get their hands on it. If you were renovating or you were building a new property, you could get some assistance, whatever the money was. An evaluation. I saw an article the other day. An evaluation. I would, I would just like to pop scheme. in here that if there is any finance people who would like to come on and actually talk to us about if you can, things if you that can are currently going on, yep. that would be awesome. Absolutely, because I'm not giving financial advice here. I'm just giving my understanding and my opinion in that. And look, it is tailored by 15 years of experience in the real estate industry, or close enough to. But there's still stuff that I don't understand. But this article had an incredible stat, right? Under that scheme, whatever the, I think it was called Homestar, but whatever it was called, where if you were building a new house or you were renovating, you got a helping hand from the government. You got some sort of grant, right? Yeah. There's 26,000 properties missing. So in turn, Only 26? 26,000 right. properties uh, okay. missing. So there's 26,000 properties that I believe were started, if I remember the article correctly, they've started but have not been completed in the allotted time. And the question is, where did those properties go? Yeah, that seems to be a lot of dwellings that surely people would notice that there's half-built houses. Well, when, when you can... So, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. There is absolutely a building supply issue, as in the building material supply issue and that that's going on as well. But when you consider 26,000 properties is the, hmm, we're not sure what's going on with these. Well, we'll call it... Uh, a, we're not sure 
window or, or, or group of we're not sure as opposed to something dodgy's happened. We're just they they just don't have the data to be sure as to what's happened is what we will say. Hold on. How can the government say that they don't know where these houses... I don't like know. A house, this... a house is, at times, bigger than a boat. And I feel that there's... I, th- I feel like in most times it's bigger than a boat. I, I feel that there's very much the NR, was it NRMA ad where she was like, charter boat? What charter boat? 26,000 houses? What 26,000 houses? <laughs> exactly. Where, where are these 26,000 half-finished houses? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I saw it was an article from realestate.com, or .com.au, I should say, um, and, and I read through it. There was no explanation of, like, it was these houses have been started, but they haven't been finished, and there's no data on when they will be finished, and it's very much a case of... Uh, look, if someone can please um, <laughs> fill in the details as to the where details. these missing I've, houses are. I've got the are. question is... Like, cause where are these houses? Well, it's not like you're playing Monopoly and your little brother flips the board because you've just you don't he's know landed on, yeah. on, on, on Queen's Park or whatever it is and has to pay you $1,000 in hotel rent. Like, it's it's not like the houses slipped under the couch somewhere. No, but somewhere. the thing is, is that you can still find those houses. As long as the vacuum cleaner doesn't get to it first. But, but the government is literally going... We don't have the data for it. How can you not have the data for it? Well, if they've, they've, they've started, got the data. You sorry, have to... let me clarify. The data says they've started, but they haven't completed and they were due for completion. But why? Mm. <laughs> like, this is, this is why I'm asking the question. So when it comes down to it, like, if we go back and, and like, we're, we're over time and, and all the rest of it, and we go, why do house prices keep coming up? We have a supply problem in this country. And our housing industry, our housing construction market, and our, our established residential real estate um, market is grossly mismanaged. Uh, in my opinion, our supply of housing is grossly fundamentally mismanaged. And I think that this actually needs to be a political issue. It needs to be an election issue. And we need to ask the question... Where the hell are the houses? Where are these? And it's not even, you can't even Charter say. Charterboat? What yeah, Charterboat? Yeah, exactly. 26,000 houses? What 26,000 houses? It's not even like a small way you can go, oh, yeah, there's like 20, 26 houses that are half finished. You go, oh, 26, yeah, that, that's a bit well, I mean, bad. On, on those a, scales, that's, on that's those a, scales, you kind of shrug and go, 26, okay, fair, no, no worries. Yeah. But 26,000. Thousands. Yeah, so when you think about it, let's say the average house is what, three bedroom? Three, uh, three lot, to four beds. Yeah. I, th- I think the average build now is four, two. Yeah. So four bed, two bath, yeah. Yeah, so when you think about it, like that could house a lot of people, like a lot of people. I've got numbers on that because remember the last census was 2.4 people per household. So if we do a really quick math in our head, 26,000 by 2.4, so we're talking 52,000.4 would be be roughly about 10,000. So we're, we're talking about 62,000 people that are that could be housed by these 26,000 houses based on just the census alone. And our government doesn't know when. Charter boat? What charter boat? <laughs> I think we need to do a JTM. I, otherwise, this soapbox is going to last forever and we're not going to have any answers. But for those who are wondering where, where, or sorry, not where, I'm asking why? where, the, where, the, where why we're both asking where keep going up. It's because we have a supply and demand problem. We do not have enough dwellings in areas people want to live. 
to to house the people that want to live in those areas. So while demand outstrips supply, house prices will, over the long run, keep going up. They will have dips and drop backs and interest rate rises will affect them. But over the long run, they will continue to go up based on that alone. I can't believe you pressed the wrong button. <laughs> Sorry. There's four buttons. They're color-coded and you press the wrong button. My bad. Maybe we should, like, I, I don't think you should have the ability to mute me anymore. It's just too much power. Too bad. <laughs> Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for GTM. It's G-Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, pork, pork, smoking meat, podcast, story writing, treasure hunting, you name it. What really grinds my gears and you playing TV shows. As you can see, nothing's off limit. It's GTM. Right. Uh, this is definitely going to be a rabbit hole and this is definitely going to be one that I'm going to have to keep on going, we need to wrap up, we need to wrap up. Uh, <laughs> you love so, it. You have benefited from this rabbit I, hole. I have. In fact, everyone in this family has benefited from this rabbit hole. I have. However, you know, I, I know that you could definitely talk for hours about things. Oh, gotcha. And this one is definitely a topic that he will potentially get sidetracked with all the sparkly things. So, U.S. shopping sprees. Let's go shopping! So, So I I have to say this. I am one of those shoppers, and this drives him insane. There's a pain in my (laughs) ass. Because I'm one of those people that is like, okay, I have seen that look. I know what I want. I know my size. I will go and I will look for things that are within that not only budget but also that style, that trend, whatever. And if I can't find it, that's fine. I can go home empty-handed, which drives him insane because he's one of those people that are like, oh, they've got tin mushrooms for, you know, you can get – Ten of them tinned for mushrooms. What the I'm hell? Just, I'm just throwing it out there. Tinned mushrooms. You get five for ten dollars. He's like, that's a bargain. He is a bargain I've shopper. Never <laughs> bought tinned mushrooms in my life. Who does? But we're also. Uh, this is this I is feel uh, insulted. Well, right now. you're one of those people that just because he figures out the calculation is a good price, he feels the need to go and buy it. This is not true. This is malicious defamation, slander. I don't know. I, I need lawyers involved in this. This is a horrific attack and assassination of my character. Hardly. But go on, tell us about the shopping sprees. I'm not someone who sits there and goes, it's a bargain, therefore I must have it. What I do is I go, I know the brands that fit me and I feel comfortable in and fit my shape well. And then I go to those brands and if they're on special and they're a bargain, then yes, I will pick them up. I'll still try them on and make sure they look good. I'll leave a lot on the rack because I don't like the way it looks or it doesn't fit quite right or whatever. But... If it's my brand that fits me, fits my body shape and everything like that, 
and it's on special, then hell yeah, I'm buying six of those yeah, things. Yeah, see, I'm more of a mission shopper where I'm like, I'm there to do a purpose. I think it's because I had worked in retail for so many years where yeah, it's maybe, just like, maybe. I I got out of my tour of duties in, at retail fairly quickly. Yeah, but, but not in clothing in oh, no, retail. No, no. no yeah, I, where, I worked computer retail. That's yeah. right. So I, I've done my my tour where I'm like, yeah, I'm done. If I have a specific thing that I'm needing and right. wanting, that's where I go. So, so Australia sucks. Oh, it's for that shocking. kind of shopping, particularly for clothes shopping, right? Like it's, it's, and, I, and I've worked out why. So before I jump into the hacks that I have developed over many, many trips to the US, you need to understand why, there's this opportunity in the US that doesn't exist here in Australia, right? And so in Australia, it's a business, in my opinion, I stress it's my opinion, but on observation, it's a difference in business philosophy. In Australia, they go, you know what? We've bought, let's say, a thousand of a particular style of shirt. And each of those shirts cost us $30. Therefore, we have to sell each of those shirts at $60 to ensure that we make our money back, right? And so the profit that they make or that they calculate is attached to each individual shirt. Like each individual shirt represents a a small piece of profit. So therefore, even when they put them on sale at the end of season or two seasons later, they're only going to give you a 30 or 40% discount, right? Because They've still got to make some sort of money. I can help you in in this theory. By by all means. By all means. Okay. So when um, I was working in the formal wear and bridal, I can tell you right now, we would go and we would purchase the – we would have showcase days Mm -hmm. where we would go or show trunk – uh, where we would go and see different designers and they would be like, here's our newest range or here's the the brand that we um, are importing, right? Yep. And we're the representative for that brand. So what would happen, we would go and purchase them. Now, I can tell you right now, right now, that there is a lot of dresses that you can buy, not just formal dresses and bridal, but this is what it goes like for all clothing. You can go and purchase them and then sell them in your store and there is a recommended retail price that the um, importer or designer actually says that you should have it listed as. Right? Of course, of course. Now, yeah, that's, that reco- that's, yeah. Yeah, so that's recommended retail. So that's yep. the RRP. Mm-hmm. You can go under that if you choose. You, you do have that capability because they do take into consideration freight. They do take into consideration if you're wanting to discount because of the amount of, you know, um, the amount of being purchased at a time. Right, so there is the capability of going under yes. that recommended retail, but nonetheless, but, they're still calculating on but, a per item piece. But this is where I say to you that there is a lot of pricing out there that is actually encouraged to go above. 
the recommended retail price that is right. put in place by the designers and by the fashion houses and all the rest of it, right? Because what happens is the person who is selling it or the company that is selling it, if you go in and you go, all right, I'm buying, let's say, six of those shirts, what's your best deal? They can turn around and go, oh, well, we'll we, we can knock, you know, 15% off. They are still making a profit. Of so you're so. so you're walking out thinking oh sweet like I scored there no you've already ma- they're no, no, still absolutely. making a massive profit absolutely that. do you want to know how much I was actually told to mark up the dresses go on tell me are you ready I'm ready between 150 and 200 percent I'm not surprised by that at all because the rule in Australia in Australian business and particularly retail is the rule of three right 30 percent of the cost is the actual item cost itself. You should then spend 30% on marketing and 30% is your profit margin, right? Well, obviously, we're talking a third, a third, a third. I'm using 30% as round figures. So that, that makes sense, right? If you take the actual item cost, the wholesale cost that you've purchased it for, and then you mark it up 150%, that numbers those numbers kind of work out 200%. They kind of work out to, you know, it's a third, a third, a third. Rough, rough figures talking, I'll be honest, you know, we're, while we're recording this, I've, I've had a, a glass of bourbon or whatever, so my, my maths is nowhere near as, as on point it was as what it normally would be. But that's the thing. In Australia, that's how they look at it. Each individual item has to have X markup, and it has to be profitable. In the US, and, and look, I have no proof of this. This is purely a theory based on reverse engineering of the behavior that I see of retail stores. Because in the US... I have personally walked into a store where they have had a clearance rack, where that clearance rack was 70% off, off the retail price. Mm -hmm. And for that one day only, it's a May Day sale or a whatever day sale, you take a further 85% off whatever is on clearance. I have bought things like... Giorgio Armani shirts, Calvin Klein leather jackets, right? The Calvin Klein leather jacket here in Australia would have cost me $450 on special and I paid $25 US for it. I would also like to just throw in here that we did go into Tommy Hilfiger where mm-hmm. I actually managed to get a windbreaker and a I know sa- sailing windbreaker jacket. Yeah, like, like a, it's, a jacket. it's a proper one. I like wear a spray jacket. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I have worn down in Tassie, where it has been yep. cold, and I, you know, it definitely worked. Um, we got that for free, and I yep. know some people are going to go, "How the hell did so, you get that?" And, for free? and let me explain. So I'll explain in the whole picture, and then I'll get back to the philosophy of how I think it's working over there. We went into Tommy Hilfiger Premium Outlet which is, of course, basically the whole store is a clearance store for, for the end of season stuff, which going to the US is great because their seasons are the opposite to ours. So their stuff is being marked down at the same time of year that it's the new season where we are. Yes. Right? So it's, it's fantastic. We're always a season behind America. We're, we're always a season behind America. So we can go in and pick up new season stuff in Australia, in the US, as old season stuff discounted on clearance racks and, and we can you know get it for, for cheap. So we went into the premium outlet store, Tommy Hilfiger. This was in Las Vegas South. Yes. Remember? Because Vegas has two premium outlets, is north and south. Um, 
And we went in and we were buying a whole heap of stuff. I think we ended up getting like 15 items, different Tommy Hilfiger items for about $250 US. It was, it was pretty impressive. And it ended up being 204 because of the app, the premium outlet app on your phone. Yeah. Make gave sure you a further X percent off. I think it was Make a sure that you do get those So apps. your jacket ended up free because you were tossing and turning. You were like, oh, do I get it? Do I get it? Like, it's going to be about like $50 US. Do I get it? Like, that's that's going to be 75 Australian at the time, like based on the exchange rate. And you were you were actually stressing and umming and about it. And I just went, just uh, freaking do I it. I think it was also because here in Australia... I wouldn't normally, A, buy that type of jacket and, B, certainly not spend that amount of money on no. it. So no. I was looking at it with my Australia brain on going, hold on a minute, would I actually And like, there's me going, we're in the US no, party, no, no, no. just buy the shit. I, I was more of the logical buyer where it's like, how much am I going to wear this? Is this really a smart purchase? Like I, I'm one of those people. I'm I, in other but, words, but I, I'm the guy that literally bought an entire new wardrobe on that trip that I couldn't wear f- for about three years until I lost fifteen kilo. Look, I, I can definitely say out of that shopping, I still wear the Tommy, and this is going back nearly four years ago. Still 2019, wearing, yeah. Now, yeah, uh, still wearing the Tommy. I got a pair of Gap. Um, I, they're not overalls. What do they call them? I, I, uh, dungarees, I think, is what they call uh, I would, them. I'd call them overalls um, anyway. That I still wear. That There's many a people that are like, oh, my God, they are so cool. Where didn't, did you get them? Didn't you get, like... That was at The Gap. A little girl, one of those? Like, uh, Yeah, uh, no, no, no. That was, that was here? That was here. Yeah. Uh, I got a but pair t- So of, you had matching pairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michael Kors yep. shoes. Um, where you literally just went, just give them, <laughs> just give them to me, because again, I was standing there going, mm, "Should I? Shouldn't I?" Yeah, and then I you mean, got in, the shits with me, and then you just went. I I'm- mean, in, in fairness <laughs> to, in fairness to, you'd come from a past where every fashion, like every purchase that you'd ever made, had been questioned heavily, particularly when it came to buying clothes. Yes. So, and I, I was like, "It's your money. Just do it if it makes you happy." Yeah. Right, so like we'd we'd you know there there were there were things in play there as well, but nonetheless, you're still wearing those shoes. Yeah, you still love those shoes. Yeah, right, and you're still wearing those those overalls. Yeah, um, and I think those overalls only ended up costing about twenty dollars US or something like I think that. It, I think it was about. It may have not even have been that, but I know that it was stupid. Uh, I've seen you know those dungarees advertised in, you know, even uh, Jeans West had them for a season and, like, obviously their own brand. But the fact of the matter was it was still, even for Jeans West, it was still you are looking at $80 plus. Yeah. And I remember the first time you came out, like, when, when you tried them on in the, the premium outlets, you've come out and go, look, I got pockets. Yeah. I got pockets. So... Look, I don't think males actually understand how valuable oh no, I've pockets are. To, I've learned to appreciate <laughs> how, how... In women's clothing. Yeah, that, cause that, but that trip too, you end up getting, what was it, seventh something? Seven, it's a brand I'd never heard of, but you loved. Oh, uh, seven jeans, I think it's seven jeans for all mankind. Seven jeans for all mankind sounds about right. And, and you, were, you were absolutely loving with them. Um, so, there's some great heartwarming anecdotes and stories. So, let me tell you how to do this because one of the things like I've had aunties, 
I've had uh, a friends go over and they go over and they're like, it's not as cheap as what you say it is. It's like, I look at them and I go, well, where did you shop? And they tell me, and I'm like, you're, you're looking in the wrong place, seriously. Um, so what you've got to do, number one, you go to the premium outlets. You always find the premium outlets in whatever city you're in. Any major city will have premium outlets. Um, hell, Bakerville, California has premium outlets, and all that is, is is a town in the middle of nothing on the way as you're driving between LA and Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that was random. That, that was random. <laughs> and they, they had premium outlets and an in, and, and in and out Burger. Um, so you find the premium outlets, a quick Google search will find that. When you go into the premium outlets, you find the brands that you like and you go to the clearance rack. Now there's a couple of different tricks depending on who you like to go to. Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, they will all have clearance racks. Go to those clearance racks because their normal stuff is going to be discounted, but it's US dollars, right? So US dollars, they might discount it and say the retail on it's 120 you're going to be paying 60 Translate that to Australia, you're going to be paying $90, right? And you might still be cool with that and be like, that's still a deal. But I really like the good deals. So I'll go to the clearance rack where something from $120 is marked down to maybe $20 and there may be an additional special. Now, the other thing is these stores, if you give them an email address that's never been signed up before, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Make sure you know you've got a few emails that you can use. They'll give you an additional discount on the day, and that can vary from five to twenty percent depending on what the special is for the day. There are certain stores that you can walk into, like say for example Coach, and you walk into Coach and someone's will hand you a discount card that is specifically for that day, and so you can go up and you can find there might be a Coach handbag, and I've done this now. I'll, I'll be honest, this is an awkward moment. I'm getting death stares right now because I did this for an ex. That's lying. Uh, you're, not, you're not looking happy at me. but because yeah, I want to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, sounds Sian, not a coach fan. But, you know, you can go into a safe coach and, and get a handbag and things like that. And it's like whatever the discounted price is, take another 50% off. So, there's these kind of deals that are happening at all times. You can go into the Nike store, go to the clearance hall. Like, I mean... Nike's actually, the Nike stores in these premium outlets are fantastic because it's all their old stock and their old stock is our new stock here in Australia and that's already discounted. But if Or it's you, just not even available. Or it's not even available. Like my, our eldest son is running around in, in Giovanni um, shoes, sneakers at the moment that you cannot get in Australia and I paid $60 US for them uh, and he's like, his, his foot's a size 14 in that, like, so he's, he's got a big foot. Um so that that had worked out at about ninety dollars Aussie, which is is you know a good deal for Nikes, particularly Nikes that you know you, you can't get here. But I like to go to the clearance wall because I've got a size fifteen foot, um, and I like to go and see what what crazy stuff is on special on the clearance wall and things like that. And you can get a deal. And and the whole thing behind it, you always go to the clearance rack. If you're looking at Macy's, you go. Last time I was there, it was called Backstage. They're often changing the name of their their clearance I know area. Th- I know that Saks Fifth Avenue is actually they've got a different name for the outlet. I think yeah. it's I think it's like um behind something like Fifth that. Avenue or something yeah, like that. There's there's like you've always got to sort of ferret out what their clearance racks are called or their clearance sections called and you just go looking No, for this it. is actually a whole store. And yeah, in some cases it is it's a whole store. Um but the, the philosophy in the US is because they have such a, pop, a large population, because you remember we got, we got 26 million people in Australia, 
they've got 326 million people in the US. So they've got a significantly greater population. And what that means is the difference in business philosophy is they're going to go and buy a million shirts. So we're in Australia, we'll buy a thousand shirts and every single shirt has to pay off. Every single shirt has a profit margin that it has to achieve. In the US, they'll buy a million shirts and they'll go, if we sell 300,000 of these shirts at full price, we will make our money back. We'll break even. So therefore, every single shirt we sell after 300,000 is pure profit. The entire sale is pure profit. So they'll end up selling 700,000 shirts, maybe 800,000 shirts You know, at, at full price. They'll make their money. That last remaining stock, they'll turn around and go, right, if we sell those shirts for a dollar, we're still making a dollar of pure profit. Yeah. And if we leave it on the racks, it's costing us storage, it's costing us warehouse space, it's costing... So it's better off that we sell it and get rid of it, even if we only sell it for a dollar. So that's why you end up with these clearance racks where the clearance rack starts at 70% off and they'll often turn around and go, today only we'll give you an extra 85% off or we'll give you 20% off. I do also know that there is some stores that actually offer a um, tourism. So it's not even duty. It's sometimes it's just the fact that if you can show them that you're like your passport, they, they can, or that you've got your itinerary or something like that, they'll turn around for, it's not every single time, it's not every single store, but they can can actually turn around and be like, oh, okay, sweet. Yeah. Here, here's another only, like five or ten percent. So the it's only not store huge I've normally. seen that happen in was Macy's. Yes. Um, and so what it was is if I presented my passport and my itinerary to show that hey, I'm actually a tourist, they didn't charge me the tax. So I got the tax discount. So that's how I understood it. And what is in in the US. Individual counties, so think of a county as like our councils, our local council areas here in Australia. Individual counties set the tax rates on various different things. That's how they generate revenue to fund their police force and all that kind of jazz and and all the various roads and that because the individual counties are responsible for a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, And so they're able to level taxes and they level sales taxes and things like that. But because we were tourists, we could be exempt from that if we made it clear to the teller, the the you know, assistant, that that was the case. Yeah. But I found that that only applied in Macy's. And right. so it would, that, that's the only store I've ever found that in. But yeah, yeah it's it's absolutely yeah. a, a viable option. So if, if particularly as the world's opened back up, if you're looking to head to the US, make sure you get to some premium outlets. Yeah. Make sure you hunt the clearance racks. And make sure that you definitely get the apps. Oh, yeah. The apps for like the Simon Premium Outlet apps and so forth. Um, because look, I've, I've gone over there with empty suitcases and come back full with a complete new wardrobe. You can absolutely do it. I I wouldn't recommend it for your first trip, but I I would definitely recommend that you go and check out the premium outlets and go on a US shopping spree because it's a hell of a lot of fun and you can get a lot of really good quality gear and brand name gear at dirt cheap prices, uh, that you just, you can't get here in Australia. 